Hey team, welcome to the Coach Keith Brady podcast. On today's episode, we've got former Southland Stag, Manawatu Turbo, New Zealand under-20s player Tuki Raimona. He's going to have a chat to us about his rugby career and what he's up to outside of that. All right, so tell us about yourself, bro. Hey, Papa. Um, so my name's Tiki Tirangi Um 28, 28 years of age. Uh, from originally from Rotorua, but grew up in um, pretty much grew up in Invercargill, bro. Done my schooling in Invercargill, um, Southland Boys High School, into Southland Boys High. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. Eh? It was, it was uh, awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, and then. From there, just kicked on. Really moved all over the place, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about, say, with your Southland Boys High School, how many um, sort of stars went to that school or have been to that school? Oh, <laughs> a number of them. Bro. So we had, like, obviously, the likes of Jamie McIntosh is a massive name there. Or, you know, everyone that goes there, especially props, they look always look up to that name. Um, Josh Bequus. Lurchy, Lurchy went there, um, Robbie Robinson, Mills Milioina, um, in his younger days, obviously, was scooped up from Auckland when he was younger. Oh, a bit older, sorry. Um, last couple of years at school. Um, Braden Mitchell. Oh, just a lot, especially a lot of, um, a lot of Southland Stag players went to Southland Boys High, obviously. And um, when you're growing up in, in Southland, you know, coming through Southland Boys, that's where you want to be. You, your dream is to become a stag, or my dream was to become a stag. And um, you obviously looked up to those guys massively. So, yeah, that's a few a few stars that were there um, that I knew of anyway. Yeah, no, it's good. When you were at school, so obviously, like you said, you just... The thing was, everybody wanted to be a stag. Um, what's the attachment with that? Like, why does everyone aspire to be that? Because I know a lot of people, um, obviously, where I'm from, when you're young, you know, you want to play for Waikato or you want to do something like that. But there's something different about the stags. Um, what is it? Like, why do people want to be a stag, do you reckon? Um, I think it was, it was a... It's, well, obviously, Southland's a proud province. Um, especially when I was at school for myself, a lot of boys um, going through the ranks and then going to school and then, oh, sorry, not going to school, going through into the stag setup and playing for Southland. Um, and then a lot of them, you know, they just aspired to be that, to be like that person. They wanted, you know, because rugby's on a massive platform here in New Zealand, everyone loves rugby, you know, well, not everyone, but most people, most boys love rugby. Um, they want to play rugby and, Obviously, their dream one day is to become an All Black. Um, but down here, as soon as you, you know, you get a boys high and you see, you know, you, once you start making Southland grades and things like that, age grades, you see, the, you know, you automatically you watch the top level Southland team and that's the Stags. And, the, you know, you see them at training, come they say, for instance, I was at boys high, first 15, where did, Jamie McIntosh, Whopper, he come down with Tim Boys Boise to training one day and we were all shocked, like, oh, uh, you know, we watch them on TV all the time, you know, well, I want to be like him or I want to be like them, playing playing rugby, you know, for a living and things like that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, that was kind of, I think, because rugby was massive in, in Southland and in Invercargill. And um, I mean, Southland Boys High was quite dominant at rugby, especially in the Southland region, uh, region. But obviously, there was a lot of players that had come out of Southland that didn't go to Boys High that have um, gone, you know, real high honours and things like that. So, yeah, I think that just because, you know, growing up, playing rugby with all your mates and things like that, and then, you know, seeing the, the players in real life and seeing how proud they are to play for this province, that's, you just, it just, comes down onto you. Well, that's how I felt anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, you can see there's something there because um, even a couple of the guys that I know that aren't from there but went down and played for them, 
Um, you know, they've got that attachment there and they're proud Stags players and they love it down there. Yeah. Um, what was it like, like high school rugby? Was there um, much pressure on you there? Um, no, so pretty much it was just, it was like anything really, like especially coming through third and fourth form the first couple of years at Boys High was um, just, just fun. Fun times playing, you know, with your, with your friends every weekend, and then you know, have a few beers afterwards and things like that, even though we're young, um, and just having fun with your mates, you know, and being at Boys High, you know, you always wanted to win and things like that. We're all quite competitive, um, and then getting into the first fifteen was a massive achievement, hey, especially at Boys High. Um, that's something that you know it, it goes with you until you die, really. Um, and I think it would, you know, a lot of boys at all boys schools would say the same. Uh, making the first 15 is, you know, they'll never forget it. Um, but yeah, no, it, was, it is what it is, bro. It's on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, from high school, what happened with you rugby-wise after that? So did you go straight into, uh, say, like New Zealand 20s and then into the Southland team? Yeah, so... What had happened was, bro, it, wasn't, it really didn't really hit me until um, I think I was 16 or something. We had um, the South, South Island under-16 tournament, and then um, there were selectors there. But we didn't even know that there were selectors there. And then they just selected a um, – and this happens – well, it used to happen every year. I'm not too sure how they do it nowadays, but they used to select a New Zealand under-17 team. And so we got – I was lucky enough to be selected for that um, with a couple – other boys from down these ways and from there that's where we built in um that's where we went into um yeah like just loving it so we come out and then yeah that's it pretty much (laughs) (laughs) yeah ah yes sweet so when you first made the um sort of southland team what was your like how did you feel? Like, was you like, how did the boys sort of welcome you and all that sort of stuff? No, it was awesome, bro. Like, so from sixth or seventh form, we were always training in the academy anyway. So we'd like we'd see once it was might have ten season or ITM Cup season, you know, back then we'd see them boys. So they were always like, oh hey, you know, like they're always making us feel the young boys feel welcome and things like that. We'd see them in the gym and things like that. You know, obviously we'd be buzzing out like, oh fuck, you know, these are the boys. And then um, once you actually, you know, got offered a contract and then got put into that squad, like it was a buzzy years feeling, but by everyone was real welcoming. Yeah, everyone was real open, honest. Um, like I was lucky enough to have a cousin in the team as well, who's I could automatically turn to if I needed to talk and you know needed to ask for help. Yeah, yeah. Um, or if I wasn't clear on something, I could just turn to him. And then, but it wasn't even just him. Like everyone made the younger boys feel welcome. Um, so yeah, but I was lucky enough to go into it when I first made it with one of my best mates and like one of my cousins as well, another another cousin of mine. Um, yeah. So we were all freshies, brand newies, and obviously, you know, being first year on contracts. There was like quite a bit of, well, I felt like there was quite a bit of heat um, or pressure on us to, you know, strive and do well yeah. at rugby. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was good. They were welcoming. They were awesome. It was um, it was an awesome feeling too, just being yeah. around there, being there. Yeah, oh, that's good, bro. And then, so from there, did you make the New Zealand twenties after that? Or, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we had so the twenties twenty selectors were looking at us that our first year out of school and um we went to all these camps and I'm not too sure if they still still do it now, but on the last camp we had done this thing called the longest day. And I think it started at like five four four in the morning or something like that. And it was just went for pretty much twenty four hours. Um and it was run by an army, an army like a boot, boot camp officer. Yeah, yeah. And oh, the boys were just getting absolutely hammered for a whole 24 hours. And um, 
it pretty much just I think it showed um, who had mental toughness and things like that. And bro, everyone there they done pretty well my year that I was there. So it was um you know it went right up to when they named the team as to actually who was going to be in our team. So yeah, again luck I was just lucky enough to make the team. Um, happy as that I made, you know, stoked. And what's even better is I made it with one of my best friends and also a cousin of mine as well, um, which is was awesome. You know, our family was wrapped. We were yeah, happy yeah. as, you know, and um, one of our other cousins had already made it before us. So it was kind of like we were following in his footsteps and um, we were just making our family proud. And, you know, it was awesome, eh? And then not only that, you make, you know, you go on tour and I've made lifelong friends from that. Yeah, um, yeah. Some who are, you know, the All Blacks now. Um, yeah, yeah. Some who are playing overseas in France. You know, some who are playing Super Rugby. I yeah. think I might be the only one that's working out of the team next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who were some of the stars in that team? Oh, but who weren't? There was heaps. Um, we had like Ehi West, Ofatunga um, Fossi, Fraser Armstrong, Nathan Harris. Reese Marshall, Jordan Tolfour, uh, Bryn Hall, Hugh Blake, Marty McKenzie, Upi Pelisioma, Peter Key, he's doing real well. Yeah. Um, oh, bro, there was heaps. Jason Emery. Um, it was it was a, a, a star-studded lineup, and we were supposed to have, we should have had TJ Purina, TJ and um, Sammy Kane. But bro, they they made the All Blacks that year, yeah, which yeah. was awesome because they oh, were the year before us as well. Yeah. So we were hoping that they'd come back and play for us, you know, that year. But they made the All Blacks, and bro, that's massive, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Like I said before, that's your childhood dream if you want to be a rugby player, and that's they had done that by the time they were twenty, bro, you know, and that they're still playing. You know? Now Sam Sammy's the captain, so bro, yeah, it's no, unreal. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And then like from that team, uh. How did you shift to Manawatu? Oh, massive. So that was a massive shift. That's that probably four years after, for three years after, sorry. So I went from that and then from there I played another year with Southland yeah. and then had hip surgery. And then that year I had hip surgery, I... Went up to Taranaki and tried to have a go there and ended up breaking my jaw the second game <laughs> second game I was there. So snapped. How'd the you break off. it? Were you just telling too many stories or <laughs> Oh, I got a I actually got a one of the best swinging arms in rugby I've ever had in my life connecting the side of my jaw bro and it just clean clean in half. Wow. I was hanging wow. down. I think my girlfriend at the time was there. She was up from Inversbury and I was just asking for her, and she come down, and she was freaking out a bit. Eh? But yeah. I ended up, I ended up going into surgery that night, and um, I've still got the plate in there. She she went, she come back to Invercargill the next morning, and then I think maybe a few days later, I ended up just shifting back down here. Yeah. And then, um, so from there, bro, I kind of had dealt with um, rugby. Um, from there as well, I started thinking about, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe my rugby's done because, you know, I've had hip surgery. I broke my jaw. You know, I've been in a bit of trouble, a bit of off-field trouble. Um, you know, maybe rugby's just not for me. Yep. And then I got a job on the port and um, just decided I wasn't going to play rugby. And then, you know, that year, as it got in, more and more into preseason and things like that, almost starting. Um, one of my, oh, he's like an uncle to me. He's my uncle. He, um, he was coaching the team down here that I was playing for at the time. Well, not playing for, but that was my team when I was in Southland. And it was uh, Marist. And he was coaching them. And he approached me and he said, you know, bro, can, you know, you want to come play? And I was like, oh, nah, not really. Not really that keen to anymore. I'm just keen to work. And he's like, no, 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 you know, come down for a run and be good for you. And all the boys are getting on it too. So I was like, oh, I'll jump in and I'll have a jam. And I actually had a bit of a meeting. I started playing, and I was just playing to have fun with my mates. But I ended up um, having a meeting with uh, one of the coaches of Southland, and, you know, I just said, oh, I'm keen to play rugby again. Told them my aspirations, and they said, sweet. You got a bit of, um, 
but here's the thing, you know, you're playing good footy, but you need to show us that, um, you know, you've improved off-field. Because back then, while I was with the South and Stags, my first, you know, three three years out of school, I, um, I'd done a lot of drinking and making a lot of bad, I made a lot of bad decisions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went into a lot of, I'd probably call it now, that I look back at it, maybe self-sabotaging. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they said to me, you know, you've got to show us that you've changed from what you were when you were with the Stags before. I said, sweet. Well, <laughs> so ended up that um, one night after we played, I, we had a bit of a, a shindig. Um, it was a good night. And then, yeah, I was in town. I ended up getting into a brawl and getting arrested and getting locked up. And um, the next morning, oh, would have been, I would have got, a, got released from the cells and I would have been 10, 15 minutes. I got a phone call and it was one of the coaches and they just said, oh, did you, I heard you got in trouble last night. And I said, oh, yeah, but let me explain. And they just pretty much just said, nah, mate, you know, we gave you your opportunity and you've just shown us. And I said, oh, you know what, fair enough. And then from there, I kind of thought, you know, well, that's it for me. Rugby's yeah. out, so I'll just finish off the club season as best I can with the Maris boys. We made the final that year, and um, this is 2015, by the way. And um, yeah, I thought I was finished, and then got a phone call from my fellow Reese Robinson. He said, Oh, I heard that you're not playing for Southland, um, you're not playing rep rugby. I said, No, no, I'm not. He goes, Oh, do you want to come up and play for me for the Manawa 2Bs? And I said, Oh, you know, I'll be quite keen. I'd be quite keen to have a bit of a crack, blah blah blah, because he said that there was opportunity that you know could come from could come from it. Yeah. So the guy, you know, sweet is. So I moved up. Um, he helped me ship up. I played for him for a couple of games, and then I had a meeting with the Manawatu coach Jeremy Cotter at the time. Um, and he's a old cops. I love him because he's a straightforward man. You know, he, he's an old old school farmer from uh, the mighty Bop as well. And he, he just used to tell it how it was. And he said, yeah, okay, there's an opportunity here for you next year. You've played well. There's an opportunity, but you need to sh- come back next year and show me that, you know, you can play well and behave. You know, you know you've changed and you've worked things out. Because I pleaded to him, I said, look, I'm, I'm keen as to um, play rugby again, but, you know, I've made massive changes in my life. I've tried to change for the better and I just want to play footy. So, and he said, sweet, if you want to come back next year, there's a spot open. If you're keen, then, you know, and you, you behave, then it's yours. I said, sweet. So I come come back in 2016 and trained my A off, trained my ass off and um, just tried to behave. And I lived with a real, real good family at the time who I, I still love to this day. I'm thinking of them as my brothers and sisters as Mark and Emily Atkins. They are beautiful people. And they're, they're wee boy Noah. So I lived with them and they were real good. Um, I looked up to Aki. He probably doesn't know this, but I looked up to him. And he was a good, a real good role model because he, he had his head screwed on as well also. So um, it was good that I was living with him because I was going to work and then going to the gym with him and training and things like that. So we're always together. And he was always keeping me accountable for my actions. Yeah. So, yeah. I, to be honest, bro, I, I reckon I have him and Emily also to thank to um, that you know for for helping me stay on the street and narrow to you know get get into the turbos, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my my story of how I become from South into Monaco too. Yeah, no, that's mean, bro. That's a good story, eh? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then so how long were you at the Turbos for? So I played that 2016 season, and then I signed on for two more seasons. Yep. So I um played 2017, and he has a bit of a bit of a plot twist <laughs> that I didn't even think was going to happen. But you know, it hit me out of the blue. But halfway through my team cup season, I got this email from um. NZDFS, and that's New Zealand Drug Free Sport. And they had emailed me. I said, What are these guys emailing me for? 
And then uh, they said, oh, this is a letter of intention for blah, blah, blah. You bought this, this, and this. And at the time, I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, sweet. But at the time, I was, you know, this was after, you know, this was three three years before this, everything had happened, you know. I was getting this email three years after I'd um, purchased some supplements. Yeah. And I was wondering, why am I getting emailed about this? You know, I wasn't, I wasn't contracted to anyone. I wasn't, you know, signed for any teams. I wasn't playing any sport at any time. All I was doing was working because this is after I'd broken my jaw. Yep. I um, had lost 15 kgs. So, I, you know, I was going to the gym quite often and things like that. I wanted to put some weight back on. So I, I bought these, um, bought these things, these supplements off this guy on um this facebook page and um some of the guys at the gym you know they were, they were buying some, some of the supplements and i said oh you we get that from so i sorted it out and then um yeah no this this um i actually to be honest to this day i i thought i was fine you know because yeah, yeah. i wasn't playing any sport i wasn't connected to any sport i didn't have any intention of playing sport again so you know i thought i was sweet but it so happens that I, I wasn't. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I told my agent, I said to him, I was like, I, I sent it straight to him. I called him straight away and said, this is what's happened. Sent it straight to him. And automatically we were like, oh, you know, this, this shouldn't oblige to me because of the situation. Yeah. Um, and then it ended up being New Zealand Drug Free, oh, New Zealand Players Association got involved as well. Rob Nickel, we tried to help out as well. Yep. Um, I'd like to give thanks to him as well for helping me through that time. And my, my agent at the time, Ben Boyle. Um, and those, yeah, they were trying to, to ban me for yep. buying these supplements. And yet we, you know, we were fighting. And I ended up coming home because I had some bad news as well. Like halfway through that season, I also got some news that my grandmother was diagnosed with um, terminal cancer. Yep. So as soon as my Ten Cup finished, um, Cots being the good man that he is, let me come straight back to Invercargill and spend the summer with her. Um, well, whilst this was happening, a lot of the stuff behind the scenes was happening with drug-free sport. Um, obviously, I had to notify Cots about it and tell Cots, um, and obviously Manawa too. Yeah. And um, so it took them, they, you know, drug-free sport were trying to fight it to the death and New Zealand Rugby Players Association were trying to represent me and was trying to you know, be like, no, no, no this shouldn't apply to him because of this situation and this is you know, his situation that he was in. Um, but I got to a point where we was three weeks out of pre-season camp at, for Manawatu Turbo's 2018 um, Cup and they still hadn't made a decision whether or not I was allowed to play any sport and I was on a, a um, I think a, well, we'll just call it a pause where I yeah. wasn't allowed to be involved with any sports at this point. And um, it got to the point where I was, so I was actually working for my one of my best mates, Tangaroa Walker, on his farm. Yep. And, you know, I was I feel sorry for him because he was here in the back of it every day. But it got to the point where, you know, we sat down together and I just said, fuck, you know, I had to ring him and say, look, I don't, I don't care what the decision is anymore. You need to tell me what's going on here. Am I going back to or two or am I not? You know, do I need to find a job down here in Southland or do I need to drive back to two? Yeah. So we had a hearing two weeks after that, and they found me guilty for buying these supplements, illegal supplements in sport, sport enhancing drugs, and drug free sport. Oh, New Zealand Players Association wanted to um, fight it. They, let, they gave me two years, but they took it back 13 months because they've had that information for that long. No, and I they were going back and forth for that long. And, um, New Zealand Drug Free Sport one oh sorry um New Zealand Rugby Players Association wanted to fight it again. Rob wanted to fight it with for me because he didn't believe that it was you know sub- substantial. It was he didn't believe it you know it was fair. Yeah. But at yeah. this point, at this point, I just said you know what I don't. Like, I'm just gonna go with it because to be fair, you know, I've, it's taken a toll on my life now. Um, yeah. It's got to the point where I need you know I've, I need to make a decision if I need to find a job. Um, need to find a stable, you know, a flat, yeah, things yeah. like that. And he was, 
he was just made sure. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yeah, yeah no, no, I'm definitely sure. So unfortunately, my, my contract um, for the turbos got, in 2018 got terminated. And I was banned from playing any sport for seven months. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how that how rolled out. But yeah. in light of all of that, bro, I'm happy that all of that situation happened because I got to spend a lot of a lot of time that I wouldn't have had with my grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she ended up sadly passing away um, yeah. 2018. So I got to spend a lot more time with my grandmother, and that, for that, I'm thankful, bro. So yeah, yeah. you know, they, you know, a lot of people say when one door shuts, another door opens. Well, I, I truly believe that that door was me spending time with my grandmother before she left us you know so yeah that's awesome bro i'm um i'm kind of thankful for everything that's happened and and that light but in you know in light i still would have loved to play Maritan cup because yeah yeah you know, it's, it's an awesome level of rugby in new zealand to play um but yeah so i finished up with the turbos uh 2018 my contract got terminated and um yeah, I was banned for seven months of yep. no sport. What when that happened? Um, what did you sort of learn about yourself during that time? Um, about uh, during the whole like so from when I got the email. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Nah, so what? So I was like, I'm, and this is another thing, bro. I'm really thankful for the people around me, my best friends and yeah. my foster family. Um, also, you know, the ones like Cots as well. He, he was always ringing me, making sure, you know, how's everything going? Are you all right? Is everything going all right? What's happening? Um, but, you know, I learned at the end of the day, bro, rugby is not everything. And for me, when I was younger, coming through, I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and I'd learned that my friends and family were you know were everything for me and rugby yeah, was yeah. a game and was you know a, a, just some fun on the side and that made me appreciate my family and friends so much more than you know just you know because everyone because the you know family and friends are there a lot of people they just expect them to be there you know but because of everything that happened with my grandmother the whole time while this was happening of you know, I, I kind of probably took it for granted before that. Yeah. And yeah. now I've learned from that during that time, you know, my family means everything to me and so yeah. do my close friends. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I never take them for granted. You know, I, I always try to send my family messages every now and then, you know, just nice sweet messages, you know, saying, I love you. I hope you're doing well. What's been happening? Blah, blah, blah. You know, things like that. And I always try to check in. Um, so from that, bro, that's what I learned. Rugby is just a game, and yeah. you know it's just, just sport. And there's definitely more to life than you know sport. There's family, you know, friends. Oh, bro, everything. Yeah, yeah. So, nah, yeah, that's good, bro. Um, so once all that stuff sort of happened, and you sort of got your ban, did you sort of did it ever cross your mind at any point? Um, to just stop playing like permanently so just to retire or anything like that or did you always want to get back into rugby um, no at, at that point I just focused mainly on my family bro because of yeah. everything that was happening so I didn't even really think about sports for the next four, five, six months Yeah, and then it wasn't until you know I think summer was coming up it was like January or something and I'd been talking to one of the bros, one of my bros. His name is uh, Mason Pomari. Yeah. And he said, what are you up to now? I was just feeling like, oh, what are you up to? We were talking. He said, oh, I heard you're coming to Perth. I was like, hey. Oh. Nah, first I've heard of it. He's like, oh, no. Well, if that's the case, you know, you'd love our, my club that I'm at, our club, um, Netherlands. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'll Oh, no, nah, that's the first I've heard of me going to Perth, both rugby, but no, nah, sweet dog, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an option. And then I thought about it more and more, and I was working away down in Southland, and I, I kind of was like, 
you know, you, were, you know, I'm, I'm here now, and I spoke to my foster father about this. I said, you know, there's, there's opportunity for me now once the span is over to be able to see the world and meet new people and make new friends um, from rugby. So from that, I, um, I was like, sweet, I'm going to use this opportunity now instead of trying to make a massive career out of it or, you know, big money. Yep. I know my time, you know, it's not my time. I was getting on, I'm getting on. I might try to use it to travel. So I made the decision. I, you know, I had up myself. I was like, you know, I'm quite keen to come, blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, I'm finishing work. I'm going to Christchurch. You know, I'm saying goodbye to my family. Um, and then I'm flying to Perth, where I've never been in my life. So, you know, what I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm nervous at this point, bro, because I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm flying over. I only really know one or two people there. I don't really know anyone. And I'm just thinking, oh, no, you know, fuck. I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what the club will be like. You know, I'm just nervous. And all I'm banking on is seeing one of my good friends, Johnny Torps, Johnny Tuiri, and um, uh, Mason Pumari, bro. So, I was, yeah, I was nervous. But, bro, once I got there, oh, you know, it's just I found the love for the game again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's what I was going to ask you. Like, once you got here, and because you obviously had to sit out a few weeks still until your ban had um, ended, but what was your sort of feelings like when you were watching the boys train, and then you not being able to be involved with that, and then um, sort of like seeing the boys play and stuff like that? How were you feeling with all of that sort of stuff? Were you getting keen again? Yeah, I was keen as, but I was real, real nervous, bro, because, like, obviously, I had had, like, you know, I'd played minor 10 cup and things like that, so, like, I felt like, and I was I was copping a bit of stick from some boys, you know, I got a job with, um, I was lucky enough to get a job concreting with a guy, Matty Capon, Matt Capon, who's... He is, um, I think he might have been vice president of the club. He's not the vice president of the club. But I was copping a bit of stick from some of his workers. I was concreting for him. <laughs> and they were giving me shit, eh? They were going, oh, you, you know, we've heard big things about you, mate. You better, you better fucking turn up when you play. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're shit. Like, <laughs> I was copping it, left, left, right, and center. So I was nervous. But at the same time, I was keen as, because, I was, you know, I was seeing the boys. You know, there was this trainer in the team. It was pumping these boys, you know, every Tuesday. And I was standing there thinking, oh, Jesus. I wonder how this is going to go. But no, we got back into it. And once I got into it, I loved it, eh? Yeah. Um, the, boys, the boys are awesome. Um, and they, you could tell that there's a real brotherhood there. Even the boys that um, didn't, they weren't even playing. You know, they past players, you know, they, they're still there. They always at the club, you know, and they always, even they're making you feel welcome. And they just want you to, you know, it makes you feel so um, wanted and loved and you just want to play your best for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, once I got to play and train, oh, bro, it was the best feeling out. But then, um, yeah, obviously the trainer was whipping my ass on the Tuesday night, you know? So <laughs> every, oh. every Tuesday was... All I know is, yeah, I'd get a message in the morning and it was, what's the fitness tonight? <laughs> and I knew straight away and I'd just say, oh, no, nah, not much fitness today. Oh, you know, I'd turn up the training. Oh, not much fitness. Oh, yeah, sweet, sweet. So I'd go to the gym after concreting, slaving away and go to the gym and kill myself and then turn up and, oh, then you'd just absolutely pump us and I would be hammered. I'd be hanging out the back. <laughs> Because you would message me and be like, um, I'm going to go to the gym tonight, so I'm not really, there's, there's not too much fitness, eh? And then I'd screenshot that and I'd send it to the other coaches and I'd be like, what does this guy think? You think he's here for a holiday? <laughs> oh, I just remember hanging out the back, bro, and I just remember looking around and saying, where's my mate Johnny Torps? He better not be in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> As long as Tops is behind me, I'm all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the last one. Yeah, no, it was good. So, with that, when you first came back, um, obviously keen to play again. A few yellow cards in there, and then we made the finals. Um, 
how were you sort of feeling leading into the finals? Oh, bro, pumped. Yeah. It, was, it was awesome because I, you know, I knew how hard the, all the boys had worked and they just, all the boys played for each other, bro. And that's, that was the best thing about um, Netherlands. And that's why I love Netherlands so much is there's so much love and aroha in the team. You know, at the same time as everyone's working hard for each other. So going into that final, I was like, oh, man, I've watched these boys and I've played with the bros. Oh, yeah, we've played hard. I can't wait to play. Like, And especially against the team we were playing against because yeah, they were such yeah. big boys. Yeah. You know, pe- people were writing us off and I was like, fuck off. You know, like we, our teams, we were on. You know, we're yeah. So leading into that, bro, I was pumped. And I, I think all of the boys that have been pumped because we're yeah. all, like I say, it was like one big family there. You know, yeah, and it's yeah. just, that's just um, how Netherlands is, bro. That's a big, one big family. Now you have training on Thursday and you had steak night. Thursday steak night. It was unreal. Everyone stuck around. The Kai. No, bit of a beer good. afterwards. And it was good. Yeah, it was good. Was um With that, so obviously you had a pretty good season when you played for Netties. Um, and that resulted in you... <clears throat> Um, getting a game for the Western Force while you were here. So, what was that like? Oh, bro, I was, I was pretty out of it, eh? Because, so, um, when, I, when I got there, I was, um, yeah, you know, like I was, I felt like I was playing, playing pretty well. And um, I had, you know, obviously our coach, Simi Rawa, he was, he was trying to push, push for me to get looked at. Um, and once, you know, they, the rugby season had finished and I, you know, I didn't really get named or anything like that in, in, in that team, I was kind of like, oh, you know, like I was pretty, I was pretty gutted because I'd worked pretty hard, you know, and obviously the boys had worked pretty hard. We all played well. We made the finals. What, what, what else did I need to do, you know? Yeah. But, um, once I got a phone call, I was at work on the Thursday, I think it might've been the Thursday. And um, I got a phone call and it was Samson, or Tim Sampson and he said, oh, you know, it's Tim Sampson, he thinks, how are you? And I said, oh, good day, man, how are you? He said, oh, well, we're three props down or something in the NRC openers this weekend. Can you play for us? I was, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I've been drinking beers for the last five days with our team, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was a bit of a buzz, but I said, yeah, nah, sweet. If, you know, if, if that's what you need, then I'll, I'll jump on. I'm keen as, you know, keen to have a bit of a crack fees. And um, to be honest, I hadn't really played much tight hit in my life, eh? And yeah. I only played it for a wee bit, but I played it, you know, a wee bit at Netties, and that's what I played. So I was, when, when I went in to see them, they actually said to me, oh, yeah, so you're playing tight and you'll be coming off a bit of tight head. And I said, hey. And <laughs> I'll Vern, yeah, Vern goes, oh, you yeah, know, you know, you're coming off a bit of tidy, you're playing tidy for nitties, and I was like, oh, I haven't really played much tidy, you know, like, Jesus, you know, it's a bit of a, and I was expecting it to be, um, you know, I was like, shit, I was kind of shitting my pants here at this time, because I was like, fuck, this is like Martin Cup, me playing tidy, I hadn't played, I've only played Lucy at prop there. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you've been playing tidy at nitties, I said, yeah, because I had no choice, Mason Paul Marty told me I had to play there, so I had to play there. <laughs> He's a hard and, uh, man. He's a hard man. There's no saying no to Mason Paul, you know. So <laughs> he um and everyone was like, "No, you'll be sweet. You'll be all right." So I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." So then went down to um I think it was it might have been game day, bro. And I turned up and met all the boys, and they were all awesome fellas. Eh? They were real welcoming. They were good fellas. Yeah. Um and yeah, turned up met the boys. Had warm up. I just kicked it with um Tess, Heath Tessman because. Obviously, I've met him, him being a Nitty's man. I've met him early on in the year. I played with him in the club, him and Shimo, but Shimo wasn't playing. He was one of the ones injured. And, um, yeah, it turned up, um, started doing warm-up, and I was blowing big time, man. I was like, Jesus, I'm unfit, just from drinking so many beers, I thought. And then, um, yeah, no, come time for me. He's like, I think it was like only maybe five or ten minutes after the first half, and Vern goes, Tooks, warm up. And my heart just started beating. I said to him, Jesus, I don't know if I could do this. I'm not a tight end. He goes, you're a fucking good rugby player, mate. You just go hard. Give it all you got. So I said, oh, yes, sweet. Chuck me on. And then that's all she wrote, really. Yeah, yeah. 
make hay while the sun shines, Niff, you know? That's it, because by the at the end of the day, it's night. So it's pretty simple. <laughs> um, so yeah, once you finish that, um, did you have the option to stay here and play for them or were you always going to go straight over to Spain? No, so even before that, sorry, bro, I should have mentioned before, I'd, I'd already signed a contract to go to Spain. Yep. And I told Stamps that on the phone. I said, look, I can, you know, blah, blah, blah. Can I only play this one game? I'm going to Spain. And they, they're like, yeah, sweet, that's all good. So from there, bro, I played that game. And I think it might have been, I'm not too sure how long after, maybe a, two weeks, a week, two weeks, three weeks. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I got to, I signed with a club called Brac. VREC in Spain yeah. and um, yeah bro it was just fr- from their left to go to Europe and um, I was just buzzing really because you know when you hear Spain you don't really think rugby but yeah yeah you just think you know holiday and I was just to be fair I was like oh, I was buzzing up because I was going to you know Europe which would felt like a holiday and um once I got there, you know, I met, met, met the boys, met a few of the new foreign boys. We just clicked. And um, our team was a bit, it was definitely multicultural, bro. We had a Brazilian. Um, Danny was a good fella, bro. Heaps of Argentinians. Yeah. <laughs> Heaps of Argies. Um, South African, old Johnny Boy. And then the new foreigners, bro, there was only two of us from New Zealand. Me and a uh, fella, Brock Cooper. Me and Brocky, we lived together. Um, he's the first five from um, counties and an Australian boy, Fiji, an Australian boy, Kimu Valencini. So, um, yeah, we were all buzzing. Us three were actually buzzing out. We were in Spain, but to be honest, we're, like, yeah, yeah. we're in Europe, gee, what are we up to? Yeah, um, yeah rugby, we kicked off and uh, the, it was a bit of, it was, a, it was definitely different, bro. Like, the whole, the whole culture was different. Um, the team culture was different to what you were used to in New Zealand and even with Nitties, like it changed massively from what I you know, from what I went from the Netherlands to there. And um but like I say, bro, I was used, just using I just wanted to use rugby to travel and that's you know, I was, I was getting to do that. So yeah, I was just yeah. buzzing out at the same time. And um yeah, I was in Spain. <laughs> So with the like, yeah, obviously you were over in Spain, and then um, COVID nineteen hits. So then, what 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 happened with you over there, with all the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so even before COVID, bro, my rugby was over because I um, I think it was March the second. I broke. I, I ended up breaking my leg quite badly. Dislocated my ankle with training, so I was finished. And there was, I think it was maybe three four weeks. I might have been now. Sorry, it was February the second, and there was three, four weeks. It got to about March, and then one day the boys, you know, were at training, and they said, "Oh, the president's going to announce something on TV tonight. Um, we might be going into a lockdown." And everyone was like, "Hey!" So me and Brock went home, and then that year they got a. The president went on TV and just said, "You know, there's 24 hours until you go into full lockdown." They went straight from we went. From level four to straight level, oh, level zero to straight level four. And he said, the only thing you do to leave your house is if you're buying supplies or buying or going to the pharmacy to pick up um, medications. So automatically, um, us, we're, we're like, oh, shit, you know, like, what, what are we going to do? And um, obviously, we were there. And we were just the way we thought, oh, you know, it might be a hit like this for a week or two. And then, you know, a couple of weeks went on and it was just like, it was crazy. It was like dead. So like Europe, when I when I first got to Spain, bro, at night it was like crazy. Like I could hardly sleep when I first got there because it was that loud because of their lifestyle. It's a yeah. different lifestyle in here. But then when lockdown was on, it was like an apocalypse, obviously. Like it was like nothing. There was no one anywhere. It was quiet. Like... Didn't hear anything. It was eerie as like. And then we tried to, you know, we, me and Brocky were like, you know, because they're high-rise departments, they're real small. We weren't allowed to leave. 
on a broken link. So we were both getting whole high as we're like, fuck man, you know, we're used to being out and about. We tried to leave to come home straight away. And now two two of the boys from they were in Australia, they they caught the first plane out the next morning. So bro, they they literally just said, This is the flights that we want. We're out of here. And they booked the, they booked them their flights and they left. And me and Brocky were obviously from New Zealand. We we were still there for another couple of weeks. We've been trying to hit them up, saying, "Oh, you know, can you find us flights home?" And they're going, "Oh, we can't. We can't find them. We can't find any." You know, so we obviously ended up finding some, and from there they booked our flights. And oh, bro, it was just madness the whole way home. Yeah, yeah, that would have been crazy. Oh, it was. We got to Madrid, and um, they told us, "Oh, no, you just can't fly." And we're like, "Hey," and I like, I just tried to say something. Our, our captain, Colin, my mate. He, he dropped us off, bro. So you weren't even allowed to leave. He had to drop us off at the airport in Madrid because there was no buses or anything running. And um, he got fined 600 euros for dropping us off at the airport. Oh, and he's, he's explaining to them, he's, he's explaining to them in sp- Spanish, he's going, oh, you know, what, what else, you know, how were they supposed to get to the airport? And they are saying, oh, they could have taxied, they could have taxied. And he's going, what do you mean? It's just the exact same as what I'm yeah, doing here. Yeah. And they said, no, well, that's not that's not your job. And then so they, they find them. So my, my poor mate got hit with a 600 euro fine for driving two hours to drop his mates off. <laughs> but yeah, we, then, then we got inside and they told us, oh, Australia's have closed their borders to anyone coming through from Europe, please. So automatically we were on the back foot and we were just shitting our pants. Like, oh, well, our mates left. We stuck in Madrid. What can we do? So we just said, can you direct? Can you fly us direct from Doha to Auckland? And then, after about an hour and a half of sitting at the desk waiting, they come back and said, "Oh no, nah, you can land in Sydney now, but you have to go there and get new tickets to New Zealand from Sydney." Yeah. So we're like, "Yeah, whatever, do whatever, just get us on these flights." So yeah, that was. That would have been hectic great. to go through all of that, eh? Yeah, I was. And plus, I still had a broken leg. That was like, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to be on crutches the whole way through. I ended up just throwing them out of the Madrid airport because they were a whole high as with my carry-on bag. Yeah, yeah. I was limp, limping around with a big moon boot on, and I had to take it off every time I went through metal detectors, you know, yeah. through customs. So it was just a bit ha But we got home eventually, and yeah, no, I was we're just happy to be home. Ah, that's good, bro. And then, so the legs all healed now. Legs all healed, brother. It's all good. You, yeah, because you um played a little bit of club rugby just recently, hey? Yeah, I think I got about five games, and I was lucky enough to play five games in the end of club. Yeah, down here in Southland. So, nice, yeah, and nice. I was hoping, I was hoping to um get back to Australia to play, obviously for Netherlands again, because that's where I want to be, but. The old COVID situations had been quite hard over there, and all the borders are on lockdown. So, yeah, like I've been trying to get you over here for ages. Like I even comment on the prime minister's um, when she goes live. I always comment to try and get you here, but she's not responding to me. But um, <laughs> I'll keep trying. Hopefully, she hears listening. You know, and she yeah, does. No, yeah, no. I see. I, I see you taking the. Um... <laughs> The Prime Minister's um, lives. Yeah. Uh, That's good, bro. So with you, obviously, um, with everything that's happened, like you've had the highs of playing ITM, MPC, and then you've had that taken away from you. And then, you know, you've had to reset. You've had a little bit of growth with that. And then you've started playing rugby again. Um, With all of that, so do you think you've changed much as a person with that have you learned much and have you grown as a person oh definitely bro definitely um massively like if i've if i compare myself now to myself in 2012 or when you know when i was 20 or 21 22 23 uh, like my morals and you know what i what i live for now i definitely didn't back then and I took for granted back then what I you know what I would I live by now yeah. um so yeah like I say bro 
to me now, the biggest thing in my life is family and friends um, and just having fun, you know, enjoying yourself, trying to keep positive. Um, one of the things that I've learned to grow from, and this is from one of my good friends also who I'd learned off, you know, I was buzzing out a little bit when I first seen that he um, was doing these things, but my good friend, Erbain Lawrence, he come over to actually help us out for Nettie's last year. And um, he was doing this thing called breath work and meditation. He had, he'd, he'd become quite spiritual and, you know, he was getting into it and he was telling me about it. And he was just like pretty much um, educating me about the things and, you know, edu educating me about, you know, why, you know, you know, locking into your consciousness and things like that was good for you and why, you know, breath work is good for you. And even like sitting in cold water, you know, what, what it does for you. And, I've learned a lot from that too. Um, yeah, I do a lot of a lot of that now when I get, you know, and I find I'm not so um, highly strung. I'm not so stressed out all the time. I don't, like I do get stressed like everyone does, but I definitely am not the same person as I was, you know, when I was 21, 22, 23, you know, the things that would have stressed me then, like I'd look at them now and be like, you know, fuck who cares? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, Definitely, of and that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. Um, we're trying to help and, you know, give as much advice and try to help as, as much younger boys coming through as I can yeah. um, with the likes of even if it's in or around sport or outside of sport, you know, um, just, you know, living a more healthier, you know, nicer, cleaner lifestyle than not. <clears throat> the one that I ended up going through or that yeah, I put myself yeah. through. Um, like I say, a lot of self-sabotage more than anything. Um, and it's like anything, bro. You, you, you know, there's always outcomes of the decisions you make. And, you know, unfortunately, the ones that I made were, were bad ones. But the outcomes that I've got from that, obviously, now are good, you know, because I've learned a lot from and that's just what I'm trying to pass on to younger guys. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously, <clears throat> there's still a lot of people out there that know me for who I was, you know, when I was 21, 22, 23. And, you know, I used to drink a lot and do a lot of, you know, drugs and things like that. And I was a yeah, you know, yeah. bit of an angry person. But, yeah. you know, that. They, they still look at me the same as that person. They can't obviously grow past that, but that's, you know, that's, that's completely up to them. If they want to look at me like that, then that's all good. But, you know, if they come up to me and started talking to me, they'd find that, that you know, I'd be a different person to what I was back then. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, everyone's got their own opinions, um, but I definitely believe that I've grown as, um, as a person, bro, from, from back then, you know, going through everything that I have. Yeah, no, I think even for me, like, I can see that um, even in your time here in Perth, um, once you started doing all that breath work and you started sort of seeking inner happiness and stuff, I could see a lot of growth with you. And, um, yeah, it's awesome, bro. And I think what's good with it also is, like, you're not blaming your past on anybody else. Like, you, like you've said, you know, you've said um, there's a bit of self-sabotage in there. Um, which is, it's good to, that you've identified that, bro, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And it's, it's massive, bro. Like, I, you see you see guys out there and they, um, well, actually, I see some boys and I see a lot of my, my younger self in them. And I just want to be like, bro, you know, like, fuck, you know, just have a chat with them. Yeah, just be yeah. like, use, use myself as an example, please. You know, I, I want you to live your best life, don't I? I don't want you to, you know, do what, what you're doing, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you can help, only help people who want to help themselves, bro. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's it. So, but bro, I've learned a lot of um, a guy and you follow, like, you, you just know him obviously as Farm for Life. Yeah, but, yeah. But, um, yeah, Tangaroa Walker, bro, he's, <clears throat> he's been a massive, a massive influence in my life as well with, um, being able to let things go. Yeah. And um, showing a lot of love, but so is two of my best friends, um, Te Aroha Tai, Bull Motiaho, and his wife, Talia. Um, 
my two gold daughters, their daughters. Uh, they've got two beautiful daughters now. And, you know, when I was transitioning from, you know, being a bit of a self-sabotaging cat to trying to grow up and things like that, they were there, you know, at the press of a, press of a button and at the click of a button. They were always there to help me. And they still are to this day, bro, you know, like, so um, I'm just thankful that I have the beautiful, beautiful friends and family that I have around me to you know, help me through everything that, you know, that I've been through and um, just remind me that it's not, you know, it's not always bad. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. I think um, one thing, like you spoke about your friend Tangaro Walker, I think I've seen, obviously, he's done a lot of things for you, but one thing I probably personally don't like that he's given you was um, he gave you a modelling gig. <laughs> and I think there's probably, I know COVID's hit and you can't reach out to that many people, but surely there's got to be somebody else in this world that could um, could have been a model because the, the, the actual mug that you've got, oh, I'm surprised if he sold anything out of that line. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you're telling me something for nothing, don't worry, I've copped it from all angles, but I've copped it from all angles. Yeah, um, I was shocked that he picked you. Pers- personally, I was I was shocked too. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if it's gonna get some free gears out of it, you know, it's free gears, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's plus it's helping helping up the bro. You know, he's, he's done a lot yeah. for me. So yeah, if he needs some help, you know, I'm gonna help him. So. Even if it makes me look like a bit of a clown. Yeah, nah, that's good, bro. That's good. Nah, it's been awesome, bro. Awesome chats. Um, like I said, bro, it's awesome to see you grow as a person. And um, yeah, hopefully we get to have you back over here in Perth soon. Um, have you got anything to finish off with? Nah, 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 nah. It's been awesome, bro. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, and obviously listening to my stories and things like that. Sorry, I've rambled on a bit but no it's been awesome being on here brother thanks for having me yeah that's good Brian obviously a lot of people you know they say that you and I are quite similar but then what I tell them you know (laughs) sugar and salt are quite similar as well but you'd only have one in your Milo so yeah no it's been good bro awesome thanks for your time and um yeah cheers bro thank you thank you brother So that's the end of uh, the episode, team. Thanks for listening, and really do appreciate him jumping on. Thanks, team.